the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline. And we're back to time 613. One line open, one 367 One line open, one 367 Let's go to line number three and talk with Sean in Concord. Sean, are you there? Yes, I'm here. How are you? I'm doing okay. Um, I was just calling in. I've listened to you for years over the, over there on radio when I'm at work, and this is my first time calling in. But awesome. I just wanted to share that um, it's been a blessing listening to you over the years. Um, I've told my mom a lot about the things that I've heard and learned from you, um, and she loved it. She actually passed away four weeks ago, um, mm-hmm. which has been a real struggle because it was right in the midst of everything shutting down. And right. um, I'd just gotten word I was going to be working from home and you know, and I've been telling her, she and my stepdad not to leave the house, and right. um, like I'll bring everything over. So I took food over there um, a day or two before she passed, and um, you know I was like, I'm not gonna come in, and she's like, Well, come over here. I'm like, No, I'll call you from the car. You know, right. spray Lysol when I leave, and and don't open the door, don't go anywhere. So she says she's feeling great all week, and everything's good, but she's had a lot of health concerns. But um, right. the thing has been so hard because, you know, um, we prayed every day on the phone. We, I talked to her every day on the phone. I was going with her to doctor's appointments and just being the person that I could be for her, you know, when right. she needed me. And in the hospitals, I'd be with her night and day. You know, when I'm off work, I'd go and stay with her overnight just to be there and watch what's going on. But, but it's been a tremendous strain because even with trying to plan services, it was difficult because, you know, they're like, well, you can't do this. You can't. You know, no one can congregate. We can't have a funeral service at the church. We can't can't do anything, you know, because you have to be safe. So we basically just told everyone not to come, you know, because we had to transfer it back to Southern California. And um, just the blessing that we were able to do a viewing and we were able to do a graveside service. And we were able to televise everything or online services. So the family in different parts of the country were able to watch and friends and comment and and actually be a part in spirit with us because we really needed the support because with this COVID-19 thing, it just made it brutally hurtful because, you know, with so many restrictions and as far as even just hugging family members, it's like, do we even hug each other? I mean, you know, it's it's just so hard to refrain from hugging and from being, you know, close and embracing each other when you're, everyone's hurting because it was absolutely, you know, but, but then you want to use wisdom as well. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like the Lord just protected us. I was just praying the whole time that the Lord would just watch over us because my brothers were hurt because they want to hug and they wanted to come right. over my house. And right. I'm like, well, really, we need to be still practicing social distancing, even though it's kind of like the beginning of it. Right. And it was just hard because everyone was in such a hurt place that it felt really awkward. And so um, I just wanted to share that because I know that many people have been like struggling with the same issue. We were just blessed that it happened when it did because – now I'm hearing, like, my uncle just lost his mom yesterday, my, my aunt's husband, and she lived in New York, and she was in her 80s, but um, he was able to speak to her on the phone because they wouldn't allow them to go and visit her, of course, in the hospitals. So um, now they're not able to have a service. They're not able to see her. They're not able to do anything. 
So this is a crucial time for people losing their loved ones because you can't be with them when they're passing. You can't really have a service or anything because it's so dangerous to even just be in the same room with people at this time. So um, I don't know. No, this was good. I really did. I'm glad you call. Uh, um, you might have done it impromptu, but this is certainly what I was asking people to do in the in my opening monologue because I, I really wanted to talk about it. I've, I've been very much aware, not only in terms of the massive devastation going on mm-hmm. in New York and in Brooklyn, just massive, massive, massive yeah. devastation, and everything that you're talking about. Um, it, it, it's it's definitely true there, and a lot of people have been grieving. They've been talking about it. I've been watching some of this on on documentaries where people have been talking about the inability to actually connect with their loved ones, with their mom and dads, uh, prior to their passing, and then also because of the the lack of clarity on how this thing worked out. You know, people were uh, were just in the dark until they discovered that their loved ones died. Now, now, affirm for me: Did your mom? I'm sorry, Sean. Yes. I'm was sorry. this your mother that passed away? Yes. Uh, passed away. Was it? Did your mom pass from the COVID nineteen? Well, um, she couldn't breathe well. She had COPD, and she had right. like her kidneys were having a hard time. So we already had issues, but she yep. was stable. And I had went yep. to the doctor with her like a week and a half prior. She was feeling great all week. She was saying, I'm, I feel so good. I haven't had any, any insulin. And this is because they had just changed their medication. I'm like, that is amazing. So we were like praising God all week. Right. And so I was just not, I mean, we were caught off guard because she felt so good. And then I saw her Saturday, and then Sunday I didn't go to church because I was like, well, maybe I'll just stay home because that's what everybody was saying. You know, we could just watch church from online if you need to. You don't have to come in. So right. I stayed at home, and I called her later Sunday night, and then she she said she felt great. She's feeling good. She said, but I did have a breathing treatment earlier. I said, well, that's okay. You know, as long as you're feeling better now. She said, yeah, I feel, I feel pretty good. I was like, well, that's good. I said, well, I'll call you tomorrow at 2 because her sister was going to call me from Colorado, and we usually do the three-way, and we pray together. And sure. so my aunt. She said, yeah, well, I'll call you guys back Monday. I said, okay, she has to go give blood, and then you can call me back. At 2 o'clock, she'll be home, long home, because even I was even concerned about her going back to the to give blood because she had to give Absolutely. blood to make sure her numbers were, were in a good place. Right. So she was like, well, I'll be back really early because we're going to go early, and usually there's not anybody in there. I said, well, just make sure you guys wipe everything down, you know, because I was contemplating should I even go with her because a lot of times I would take her, um, but I was thinking maybe I just shouldn't be around her right now because I work in the city. And right. I had been going back and forth to work up until that Friday. So I said, well, you know, we're working from home from now on, but I don't really want to come around you because I could have a germ and not know it. Absolutely. Said, well, okay, well, I feel good. Right? I feel really good, though. I said, well, okay, it's okay. I'm just going to stay at home. And you and, you know, my stepdad, I said, he'll take you and just make sure they wipe everything down. Don't touch anything. You, you know, I'm like giving her the whole spiel of what to do. Mm-hmm. And my stepdad, he's really good about it anyway. Mm-hmm. But anyway, she was fine. And then Sunday night, we talked about midnight, 1230. And then we got off about 12.35 at night, you know, late night, and we had our last prayer. And um, for like 35 minutes, we talked, and she felt good. I said, okay, I'll talk to you tomorrow, too, then. And she says, okay, usually we say if it's the Lord's will, usually we, we pray like right then. If my aunt calls for us to pray, we'll do it right then. But we had already been on the phone for two and a half hours earlier, me and my aunt. That's the reason mm-hmm. she said, well, I'll just call back tomorrow for, for us to pray. I said, okay, mm-hmm. that's good. And so, of course, we beat ourselves up afterwards. Why didn't we just call her right then? Why didn't we just pray? We know better. You know, Daddy taught us to pray. As soon as you have it on your heart to pray, you don't wait till the next day. You don't wait till the next hour. 
you know, because my grandfather was a preacher. So sure. we've already been a praying family all my life. So that's why yeah. we were kind of hurt because all of a sudden at four in the morning, I'm getting a call from my stepdad that she's having problems with breathing and the paramedics are there. And I'm like, she was just fine a few hours ago. I just talked to her three and a half hours ago. And mm -hmm. so I just take it as a blessing, even though it cut me to the core because I'm just like involved, so involved with my mom. Um, day, daily, you know, praying with her every day, talking to her every day about just anything. But I just figure it's a blessing. I feel like God knew what was best for now. Absolutely. Have to go through the struggle. And Absolutely. And that's me going. It's knowing that she doesn't have to stress over this. I don't have to stress because I would have been up the wall if she had mm -hmm. gone into the hospital and I couldn't get to her. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, Lord, thank you. Even in this time, I just thank him. I give him all the glory because she didn't have mm -hmm. to suffer. It was quick. And she's mm -hmm. with him. I know she's with him. She was praying when she said her last words because she was praying. My, my stepdad was praying with her when she went. And he said, she just, he said, I can't, I can't stop it. I can't, I can't do anything. He says, the paramedics are on their way. I'm just going to pray. And he just held her and he started praying for her. And she started saying, help me, Jesus. Yep. Help me, Lord Jesus. Help me, yep. Jesus. Just help me. And she yep. went to sleep. So yep. I'm just thankful that God has my mother with him. I don't have to worry about her. It hurts me every day. I cry every day. I mean, you know, that's going to happen, mm -hmm. but I just know mm -hmm. she's okay. And mm -hmm. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, that we didn't have to worry about how she was going to have a service or yep. if we were going to get to see her. Because a lot of people I know are dealing with this right now. They're not yes, able they to see their loved ones in the hospital, and that's the part that's hurting so bad, you know. And so I just pray for them, and I lift them up, and I ask you to just – Keep us in your prayers and keep just we're just praying for everybody at this point, all the whole country, basically, because we're in a place where we've never been. And I know Amen. God is trying to get our attention and a lot Amen. of us are paying attention, but we really need to be on our knees and we need to be paying attention to what's happening in our world and in our government. So, Well, you have just blessed us <laughs> tremendously on a number of levels. A lot of people have been instructed. And I just want to remind you of what you said your uh the lord has been extremely good to you in this particular case in that you guys are a believing family that mom did not suffer at length that um that that it was quick it wasn't uh something in which we had to go through any kind of traumatic uh, disconnect. And so I'm glad that you're looking at it from the positive side to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We are absolutely yes. certain about that. And so what we will do is we'll keep living for the glory of God until we get a chance to be with our, our loved ones in glory. So thank you for thank calling you. for the first time and call back again. Okay. Thank you so much. And you guys stay blessed and stay safe. Yep. Thank you. Again. Amen. All right, let me go to line number uh, one and talk with James uh, from the Bay. Line number one and talk with James. James, are you there? Hey, Pastor, are you there? What's going on, man? Hey, it's good, it's good to hear hear your voice, man. I really want to come try to uh, run this past you in person because of the uh, current situation. Obviously, uh, right, you know that's hampered. You know, what I've been thinking of, you know, to, to put a, to say put a good spin on, well, put a good spin on what's going on, nothing, anything we're going through is good, but what he, whatever evil's coming out of this, but the Lord would turn it to good. Yeah. And, you know, Warren, knowing I work in the education system, right, um, this time, I would like, this appears to me, uh, PJ, to be a time that we could, take this opportunity, if you will, uh, to do like a, a reset. Because for years, 
our school system hasn't been, our public school system hasn't been an education system, it's been an indoctrination system. Amen. And contrary to all that we're teaching biblically, and this, it kind of sort of confirmed for me what you had said earlier about the teaching and the, and the shepherding, the teaching yeah. goes in discipling. And, you know, a, a lot of our believing families have sort of, I won't, say, I, won't, I, won't, I won't say lost their way, they've sort of depended too much on someone else to do what the parents should be doing according to De- Deuteronomy 6 in, in training up our children. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so my thought was this, this situation with all of our children being out of school gives us a chance to, in a sense, regain ground or reestablish our faith, our values, you know, our tradition uh, concerning what we believe about the Lord Jesus Christ and to hopefully instill some more boldness into not where they have to go back, not when they're able to go back to school and obviously teach from Genesis to Revelation, but be sound in what they believe. And if for some reason... When it comes to marriage, this is what our family believes. This is what the scriptures say. And if you don't agree with it, then you can go call my daddy or my grandfather or whoever it is in the family who is the uh, who is the elder to be Amen. able to establish what it is we believe without fear, Amen. Know, without retribution, without retribution. And it's, I'm trying to put it together, but I've been trying to put this piece together for a minute, and I was wishing there was a way that we could get a message out, okay, we could take advantage of this time. You know, with the teaching that, you know, that you've been doing during the week with the uh, the different, about to say simulcast, with the different streaming, you know, that yeah. we have with you and all of our other pastors are, are teaching what's coming right into our homes, on our phones, where we are, and take advantage of this, Amen. Take advantage of this time to, if you say regain control or re- reestablish some footing if that makes any sense no it does you 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 what you're saying is is what you're saying james is um is so timely and so apropos that it does merit a conversation about it at length it really does merit a conversation about it at length i i'll, I'll tell you how how apropos it is it, it between you and my, my my brother who opened up our program Jermaine who who basically was implementing the practice of shepherding and parenting at the same time with his multiple of children around this topic I woke up this morning in in, in the assimilation of, of all of my theological thoughts uh, having a, a word of in, uh, exhortation given to me on this very topic by Albert Moeller on the briefing where he was talking about the um, the professors in Ivy League universities that are hating, they are hating the fact that kids are at home now 24 hours a day with their parents. That an article was written in New York Times, the um, New York Times uh, by one uh, very um, prominent uh, Ivy League uh, professor saying that we've got to get the kids away from their parents because it's not healthy for parents to have control over their kids uh, 24-7. And the, uh, the, the, the virulent uh, outrage uh, of, of an article that this woman wrote uh, compelled Dr. Moeller to, to let it be known that this is the trajectory 
of secular humanism at its height. It, 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 its goal is to take the children away from us and, and divest the parent of any form of authority. And uh, But like Dr. Moeller said, in conjunction with your thoughts, here's what Doc said. Doc said, in God's sovereignty, Everybody is a homeschooling parent now. <laughs> everybody is a homeschooling parent by the sovereignty of God. Now, everybody's at home. Many of the parents see their inadequacies. Many of the parents realize their weaknesses. They have been doing exactly what you said, uh, carting their kids off to the Babylonian system and not really filtering that BS through the word of God. But now they're home with their kids and, and uh, they have to deal with uh, the, the liability and accountability of raising these young ones up in the fear and the nurture of the Lord. I'm going to be doing a Q and a on Friday at six 30, just answering a bunch of Bible questions. Cause I'm, I've got a pile of them, even though I'm, I'm going through the book of revelation, I said, I'm going to just take the questions that I'm getting uh, via email and just do a Q&A for two hours from 6.30 to 8.30 on Friday live stream. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people are, are watching. And I'm going to bring this topic up. I'm going to address the topic of why it is important for the parents with children, because the children are watching as well, to do a reset, to reestablish the paradigm of the parent-children uh, biblical relationship to reinforce biblical principles with the kids, just like you said, James, in order to have a better running start when this whole thing uh, is uh, uplifted off of our shoulders, which won't happen in a day. It'll be incremental. But when once it's uplifted, maybe our kids will have a greater sense of the inheritance of the gospel given to them by their parents so that they can be inoculated against this Babylonian world system of humanism that opposes the gospel. Listen, man, thank you for the call. I got to take a real hard break, and I will be introducing that particular topic on Friday night uh, on our GBC live stream. If you guys are uh, watching our live stream, GBC, grace-bible.com, you can find me on live stream. We're getting at it in a lot of ways, and I will be doing a Q&A on Friday. We'll be on tomorrow night, 630. I'm dealing with the uh, fifth and sixth seals of the book of Revelation on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, the fifth and sixth seal, and I'll be dealing with a number of questions, Q&A on Friday at 6.30 as well. Got to take a break. Karen from Placerville, you hold on. Kiana from San Leandro, you hold on. After the break, we'll come back. Two lines open, one 367 one We'll be right back. And now, back to Lifeline. And the time is 6.37 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let's go to line number four and talk with Karen from Placerville. Karen, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you? Great. Um, I was wanting to encourage moms who are ready to jump out the window who are just feeling like helpless failures at the homeschooling thing. Because I did it. Absolutely. I don't remember. I was a homeschooling mom of eight, and I did it in the city, yeah. and I did it in a tiny little house with one bathroom, <laughs> and I did it on, we're living on one income there too, and it was hard. It was hard, mm -hmm. and I felt like a failure a lot, mm -hmm. and I felt, you know, I had a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression, but God 
did a miracle in my life, and I just want to brag about God and what He's done and just try to be helpful to other moms who might be in the same place, that same desperate place that I was. Anyway, They need it. Um, they need it. Um, they need it. I can tell you that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, my wife I'm was there. She's been, she's been yeah. there, too. What's that? I, my heart is just broken for all these moms who maybe are looking at themselves and thinking they're failures. And I just want to tell them, you know what? God took me and he broke me. I really had a, 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 a break. I had a break. I collapsed, as you would say, and uh, sure. because of anxiety. But I learned in that whole process to call anxiety, because you were talking about anxiety earlier and, you know, people who are anxious and dealing with anxiety. I learned to call anxiety my tether to my Lord. Right. And, and I'm going to read a little bit from a, what I wrote for my kids, because a lot of them struggle with these kinds of issues, too. Sure. I mean, anxiety, you know, I was an anxious sure. mom, and I, I grew up anxious kids, so mm-hmm. I wrote this for them. I learned to call anxiety my tether to my Lord, because every time the enemy of my soul tried to batter me about with it, the struggle against it only served to wrap me around my Savior with even greater intensity. It drove me to him with great ferocity because I learned if I could only run to him quickly instead of seeking to escape the gnawing turmoil within, the scary feelings of Ab, that I would be safe. I learned that often I was anxious or depressed because I had believed a lie or relationship was broken or I felt abandoned. I learned to wait on the Holy Spirit to enlarge my heart, to show me the way out of these terrible feelings and to enable me to take, make things right, to give me the courage to humble myself before another or the will to acknowledge what was true and line up my thoughts with how God viewed it. In yeah. this simple way, I was healed, truth by truth. Because it was simple doesn't mean it was easy. I felt like I was in a kind of intense, rehabilitative, rehabilitative physical therapy for my soul. Every tangled thought was perf- painfully stretched out for examination and light and put into proper alignment with the Word of God. Jesus prayed, sanctify them by the truth. Your Word is truth. And in answer to his prayer, I applied his Word to place every lie, and so I was healed. And so I just want to give glory to God, and he repaired my broken mind. And Jesse, it was really broken. I'm talking really broken. I had a, I had a psychotic break, and I'm, I'm just really thankful. God can do miracles. He can do miracles. And now I have a person. I'm like, I've, my kids are mostly out of the, the house. I have, I'm, I have one little girl at home. She's 17. She's getting ready to graduate. But he has done a great thing, and I just want to boast and tell all these women, hang in there. Don't yep. be afraid. Um, run to your good shepherd. He's good. Yep. And you know, I just want to brag about him. He's good. He's a good shepherd. He, he takes our, all our broken little sheep, wraps them around his neck, and carries them to a safe stream. And Well, I feel like crying. <laughs> well, you can cry because it's uh, tears of joy. I remember... I remember years ago um, our conversations, and of course, you know, I got I had a quiver full too, and yeah. so my wife had to train them up while I worked. And she, if she were, if if Barbara was one to uh, talk publicly, she's not. But if she were, she would be able to echo a lot of what you um, you went through, uh, Karen, uh, because she went through it too. And uh, and your words are absolutely helpful to our sisters out there, particularly our single sisters that are um, in many ways not supported. And even if they are, um, just the task of being a mom in, in this kind of scenario can be daunting and overwhelming. But as you stated, 
um, the trials that they are going through are really designed to conform them to Christ and create a humility that is unbreakable. Um, and, and, and the outcome is, uh, is a grace and character that's both sympathetic and wise. And that's what, that's what Christ is making out of, um, out of, out of us through our trials, sympathetically wise men and women who, who can tell people, um, it will get hard and it will even get harder, but it, it won't break you. God is there to see you through and to help you make it. So I really appreciate that word for our sisters because they need it. They just, your sisters need encouragement out there, Karen. Amen. Amen. And I want to offer a, a helpful practical tip to perhaps Jermaine and other people who are struggling like with practically how to do it. One of the things I would do with my kids, and I, see, I read the Bible every day. Did I, I did some things right. I, I read the Bible every day. I had um, scripture music playing, but also one of the ways I taught English, like, how to outline was like I would listen to past we would we would do outlines I would teach them how to outline by listening right. to pastors who would who could teach point by point the way you teach Jesse. right right like so we would listen to those kinds who did like the three point sermons yeah so I could teach them how to how to listen like you talk about like how to listen and pull out a topic sentence and everything like yep. that yeah so like what what they could do is like. Like, have Jermaine or have your people, like, listen to your psalms, like the Psalm 23 series. Sure. It's simply amazing. I've recommended all my children, like, who have, my son who has kids and everything, and just have them listen. The older kids can learn how to tease out what the, what the, what the main topic sentence is, and then they can yeah. compare it maybe to your own yeah. outlines and, like, put it, put it together and say, like, you know, it, it would be an amazing way to teach them, like, practical English skills, you know, listening, like you talk about, they're, they're not too yep. young. Nope. I would read the Bible out loud to my two-year-olds. I, I read the whole, I didn't do the dumbed-down children's version or anything. I did grown, you know, the grown folks' Bible. Look, listen, that was back in the day, back in the day, when, back in the day, what we did was took our straight Bible and taught our kids from the womb. And I was exactly. teaching King James. I was teaching King James, <laughs> and my kids were learning it all in King James. And, and all my daughters will tell you right now, they will call. They're all teachers, English teachers, nurses, right. uh, you know, economists. They, they, it did not hurt them at all. Listen, it didn't. Yeah. they still laugh and talk about it now, how how their English was, was biblical. Their mathematics were biblical. Uh, so what you're saying is not outrageous at all, no, not even close. It, we're, we underestimate how much they can absorb, you yep. know, and they yep. build it on it like little by little, bit by bit, just like Jesus says, you know, he says uh, precept by precept, right? Yep, that's how it's And they there. may not have, and that's how they grow, and that's how they grow in understanding. Listen, thank you for the call. Got to take a hard break. Excellent words of encouragement for my sisters, Kiana and Phyllis, you hold on. We'll close out this uh, program with you two. Um, just good words. That was kind of a throwback. I love that. I love that. What, going all the way back to the day. I'm, we're doing that with my grannies now. I got ten grandkids, and my my two oldest daughters are doing the same thing with them. Uh, woe unto this secular world system when these arrows grow up and get shot out of the quiver into this world system with the gospel. I got to take a break. Uh, when I come back, we'll continue on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back at the time 6.50 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. 
Let's go to line number two and talk with Kiana from San Leandro. Kiana, are you there? Hi, Pastor Jesse. How are you? Hi, fine. How are you doing? I'm good. What's going on? I was just calling to say that um, this coronavirus thing to me is like reminiscent of like the plagues from the Old Testament Mm -hmm. and just the things that, you know, God does to our world in response to the sin in the world. And it's just really interesting that a lot of people, they don't have hope. They don't know Christ. Mm -hmm. And they're losing their minds. And I just sit back here and I'm just grateful, you know, that I know Christ and that my parents you know, instilled his word in me as a kid, which is what I'm doing with my own child. And it's just, and people want to know why this is happening, you know, with the coronavirus and stuff. And I just tell people, you know, this is, you know, I I believe this is like, like God's judgment. Like he's trying to turn nations and people toward him. Some people will turn to him and some people won't and their hearts will be hardened you know what i mean and i just it bothers me that a lot of churches are defying the orders to shelter in place and i think people a lot of people in these churches they're not preaching christ and they want to sit up here and think that by defying the orders that that's like some type of faith right when it's really disobedience it's like it's disguised as disobedience (laughs) disobedience and faith are like two separate things absolutely and it's just all you can do is like pray and focus on God because if you don't, you know you're gonna you know you're gonna lose your mind and be making choices and doing things that you really shouldn't be doing. You know, you're absolutely you're absolutely right about that too, Kiana. Um, in in the in the midst of of trials, here's what God's word would say for His people when we're dealing with a calamity, he would always tell us to be still and know that he is God. Be still and behold the salvation of the Lord, not scatter in 50, 60,000 directions. Either we know him and we can be still and wait on him, or we don't know him and anxiety will dominate our lives and and, uh, spiral us down into depression and to bad thoughts that don't have their basis in reality. The other thing that you said too, is that uh, these are judgments of God. This language is not common. It's not popular. And pastors won't teach it that way either. Uh, As clear as the Bible is in the book of Job, in the book of Psalms, in the book of Proverbs, in the book of the Minor Prophets, as clear as it is that the Christian people should not be operating out of a kind of secular uh, mechanistic determinism, and yet I hear it from uh, so-called Christian leaders all the time, don't blame this on God. Well, God's in control. If there's an evil in the city, have not the Lord done it? 
Behold, I create good and evil. I bring about calamity and I bring about peace, saith the Lord. Isaiah 45, 7, Amos chapter 3, verse 6. It's very clear that God allows these kind of abnormalities to occur for us to settle down and think about the pride that governs our pompous agendas when we say we're going to do this, that, and the other thing without saying, if the Lord will, I'll do this, or if the Lord will, I'll do that. The sad thing about the Christian community around this is we swing to one or two of the extremes. We either get silly and foolish and unwise, like our pastor friend in Virginia who defied the protocol and actually ended up dying of the coronavirus himself. Sad scenario, very sad scenario. Or we swing to the other pendulum and uh, deny the biblical faith that would establish the principle that when God allows these kinds of things, no matter what the secondary and human or horizontal mechanism by which they came, we could talk about that at length in terms of the, uh, the, the DNA and the viruses that have their origins in bats. And there was an experimentation going on with human beings that end up getting let out into the world. Notwithstanding, still God is in control of everything. If he took his hand off this universe, we would collapse in a nanosecond. It's his mercy that we are kept to the degree that we are every day. And it's his mercy that millions of people are not dying of this present coronavirus. So we should be looking up. But the book of the Revelation is teaching us right now as we're studying it that men will not repent, even though he bring bold judgments upon them with severe chastisement. They will not repent to turn away from their idols. Human calamity doesn't change the heart. Only the grace of God through the gospel changes the heart. So God has to couple calamity with sound spirit-aided preaching for men and women to turn. And so what we want to pray is for repentance on the part of pastors to become bold enough to tell the truth as it is in Jesus so that the Holy Spirit can convince men of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Listen, thank you for the call, sweetheart. I want to go to line number one briefly and see if we can talk with Phyllis before we close. Phyllis, are you there? I'm here, Pastor Gustan. Thank you very much. We got about a minute and a half. What's going on? Well, I don't really have a lot. I, I, I really piggyback off the young lady before, but what I was just going to say is because I do health education, et cetera, and I watch a lot. Mm-hmm. And I see people as opposed to sitting down trying to find avenues of what's going on. They just react to every little thing. And one thing I notice is, When people are out in public, the person with their gloves or without gloves, they're still interacting with people. In order to make that germ-free, you need to change gloves every time you touch a customer. I mean, that's what they do at the hospital. You don't go from room to room with that same outfit on. You take off another. And so people are just reacting, and they're in such a false sense of security. And don't get me wrong, I don't belittle this because, like I say, I'm into health. They have all these little plastic windows up, supposedly protecting people. If the data is true that the stuff is airborne, you need to be in a hazmat to really be protected. And, oh, by the way, people reach in and out of that window or that little screen, so they're still talking to you. The face masks that people wear, they're not put on properly, so you have so many points of air entry anyway. So I'm just saying... 
society right now, rather than looking at this situation and trying to pinpoint where this thing came from, why it happened, why they allow it to happen, yes, we have to pray for our authority, but we also have to hold them accountable. I was listening to, I think it was Dr. Martin Luther King's last Sunday sermon. I forget what parish he was preaching from. And I mean, he talked a lot about this biological warfare stuff. He sure did. I don't know why. Listen, fellas, thank you for the call. We're going to have to take this subject up next time. We really do. I appreciate everybody that came on today. Until next Monday, God bless you. Keep your eyes on Christ. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.